As the previous segment discussed the complexity of the customer, this last segment addresses what sellers should do with their newfound time if they can in fact reduce distraction and increase focus in their day. Nick alludes to the challenger sale methodology when he discusses how the best sellers don't focus on freeing up time, but focus on what to do with the time they create for themselves. Sellers in early stage selling should be considering how to help potential customers focus on things that they're currently not. You can ask yourself, what are the things customers are underappreciating? What are the problems they haven't fully wrapped their heads around? Finding that initial angle to start conversations with based on the customer's business and not your own interests is crucial. This final segment begins with Lori discussing what sellers should focus on and essentially do with their time should they find added capacity in their day. So if I'm a rep, I need to know what my most important things are to do, my, my big rocks, so to speak, right? And so uh, when I come in in the morning, this isn't something I should have to start figuring out. I should know right when I come in. Maybe my system does it. Maybe my software does it. People have different ways of this happening. Um, but I need to be able to prioritize and, and dive right in. So I think right there, um, assuming we're not opening our email because we listen to Jill, uh, we're, we're going to look at what our, our, our highest and most important thing is to do and get those things done early. And uh, uh, otherwise, things are just going to, you know, it'll just escape you from there. Which is pretty much how I got to where I am in my life. I've put everything off, and now i got to do it all. Right <laughs> Nick, what do you, what's your thoughts? Because you, I know you've got some thoughts as well in terms of what you might... If I'm gonna free up that mental capacity, that that practical capacity, what do I do with it? Yeah, do we have about an hour? Um, uh, uh, no. <coughs> I think. Uh, <laughs> Ironically, so, so we I don't. Will, <laughs> I will try to be. I try to be brief around this, and I guess. I guess you know, in the research we've done, we continue to see that the the best sellers. Um, it's really not a product of, of kind of freeing time so much as what they do with that time. And I think that's a lot of what, what Jill's alluded to here. And, and Lori, obviously, um, uh, I, I would completely agree with what you just said. Um, I think the idea, though, of, of really being planful uh, with kind of pre-sales time and thinking about, you know, what am I going to address with this customer given where they are in their purchase process um, becomes really important. And, and I think, you know, uh, early stage selling, really trying to understand, you know, what is the thing the customer should be focused on that they're currently not? What's the thing they've underappreciated? What's the problem they haven't quite gotten their heads around? And really pushing oneself to, to you know, have confidence around, you know, what is that initial angle I'm going to go in based and rooted on the customer's business, not my features and benefits that I'm going to, I'm going to use to help them think differently. You know, as you get into later stage, you know, deal pursuits, I think, you know, I would I would really urge kind of sales managers out there to pull up their teams and have you know focused war rooms or collaborative sessions to look at deals that have been stuck mid funnel and say look you know, we we have got them excited they have bought in at some level but something has happened let's really try to think through precisely what's happened and let's get creative around how to get this deal moving again and and I find good managers time and time again run these sessions so well. And it just provides the team not only opportunity to think creatively and, and constructively, uh, but to seek out you know 
peers' advice and to seek their manager's advice. And it sets just a different cultural norm for that team that thinking about the pursuit is okay, spending time on it's okay. Um, and, and seeking some peer counsel, I think, just becomes so incredibly important to get this almost to a, a cultural way of thinking on a sales team, <clears throat> you know, creatively, critically, innovative ways about how to drive the business forward. Got, so those are kind of the two pieces I, I if, think. If I, if I might, Nick, it, it's got echoes of our, our good friend who I'll, I'll give him a shout out here in absentia, Tim Sanders, in his new book, Deal Storming. It's the Absolutely. same It's the same idea, isn't it? We've, we've looked at this through what we call sales innovation, which is a very similar sort of concept, isn't it? Yeah, and, and you know, we, we found sales managers who focus not just on coaching, which, which we often define coaching as, Right. Coaching as a good art form is, is kind of, I'm, I'm sort of leading you to, to, to water, so to speak, as a salesperson, right, through good questioning, through self-discovery. But oftentimes, as a manager, I know where that conversation's headed, whereas is deal innovation uh, really takes the form of, I have no clue where this is headed. I've never seen it before as a manager. You've never seen it before as a seller. So I can't coach you on I it. I can't coach you on yeah. it. Let's just figure out what the heck is going on here and, and come yeah. up with our best hypothesis and, and best guess as to how to unstuck this, you know, unstick this, this particular deal. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that is something you can teach frameworks around. It is a very exportable, teachable skill, you know, using basic frameworks from, you know, creative thinking frameworks like scamper frameworks or, you know, uh, uh, blue team, red team type of exercises um, just to jar loose some of those thoughts. And, yeah. and really, you know, those managers who, who spend time and energy on, you know, let's just get down and dirty and figure this thing out really do have higher performing teams. I, I, I think... That, that's where I would spend some energy for sure. It's really funny because you guys are all being so polite because I know y'all want to jump into this conversation. So much to say. So, Jill, let me, you've got the mic. Let me turn it over to you. No, so, and I, and I yeah. really totally agree with Nick. I've spent a lot of time involved in creative problem solving and coaching teams in that for many years. Um, and also studying how people think in different levels of thinking. And what he's been talking about are, are you know, most salespeople, and when they come in, they're, they're learning at, at the comprehension level and the application level of thinking. The next level up becomes the level of an analysis. What do we know about what's going on? What do we actually know? And analysis is crucial. What do we know about the situation, their, you know, the company, the market, the whole condition? Above analysis comes synthesis, which is exactly what he was describing in terms of what are some ways that we can come up with and look at things differently. What other options can we try that we haven't thought of before? Who else can bring ideas and insights to the table that could help us um, be better? There is a final level of thinking that I think we always have to address, and it's oftentimes forgotten in this, and this is the level of evaluation, which is if we do this, how will it be perceived, and the ability to take and put yourself in another person's shoes. And I've seen people, and the reason I bring this up is because I've seen people, you know, like put together a deck, and they've, and they've you know, planned a meeting out in their whole mind, and they literally, as a team, think that they have the best presentation, the best meeting plan than they've ever had, and it's absolutely perfect. But, but it's not from their eyes that this is seen. It's seen through the eyes of their customer and their buyer. And so there's a final step that, that comes from a level of how should we be thinking in terms of if we sat in our buyer's shoes, how would we react to this meeting? How would we react to this conversation? How would we react and, and do it? And what you find when you do that is sometimes your, your verbiage is wrong. Sometimes your sequence is wrong. Sometimes you've done nothing to engage them, but you've been talking because you have to share this because you think it's so blasted important. But there's that highest level of thinking that really puts it in the buyer's shoes, puts you in the buyer's shoes to evaluate your own work to determine if it will be effective. And then make changes so you don't screw up. Yeah, and, and a good collaborative team should detect that. They should get to that point for sure. 
Yeah, they should. And the, 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 the criminal thing is that people <laughs> rush to, to do. I mean, we're such an action-oriented uh, profession. That Reactive, it, too. Reactive and action-oriented. We, we think that if we are doing stuff, if we're doing, then we're, then we're making progress. Busy. busy. It's yeah. about being busy. But it's not. It's about doing the right thing and having thought it through so well that you, you really know what's going to happen or you can, you can think of what are the roadblocks that you're going to encounter and be prepared. In fact, there's a, there's a name for that, Jill, that we've, uh, which is well documented, at least in behavioral research, is the solutions bias, right? Which is this natural tendency to jump right. So I see a problem, I jump right to a solution. And it, it's it's, it's kind of like going back to marriage counseling, what guys do right. when their wives <laughs> raise a problem, right? Well, in fact, it goes way back, all the way to like, you know, and it, it's, in, it's, it's quite literally hard written into our, hardwired into our DNA, really? right? So as you think of sort of back in the days when we're wandering the grasslands and the pampas, right? And we see that shadow on the horizon. We think, is that going to eat me or am I going to eat it? And we've got to make a decision right now, fight or flight, what do I do? And so when you get in these very complex problems, what we're finding is the very best companies have done something very different. They're forcing, they're actually creating mechanisms to operate against that solutions bias yes. by asking, what is the actual problem that we need to solve? And what is the actual problem the customer needs to solve? So they go through diagnostic exercises, root cool. cause analyses, the prompting tools, Nick, that you'd mentioned yep. around sales innovation, asking yourself, are we really clear of what we're really trying to accomplish in the Brilliant. first place before we just start throwing out answers and going after mm -hmm. it in that very sort of, we gotta get this done, sort of rush to, the mad rush to, to answers, isn't it? So it's, it's, a, it's a really powerful way to think about it. We've got a number of frameworks we've been sharing around that same idea. You guys have a lot of frameworks. We are, we are you framework are so rich. so smart. Yeah, so you know yes. what we need now is a framework for choosing the right framework, <laughs> which is, is ironic, but it's true. And so we actually now are in the business creating meta frameworks. Uh, that's, uh, I know, that's pretty deep, isn't it? Or high level, I'm not sure which. Uh, um, but so let's, let, we're coming towards the end of our time, but I, I, whether it's within this context of complexity and freeing up focus or, or you know, focus on what I do with my focus. But I, I just want to ask a broader question and, and, uh, and I'll tee it up and then talk about it. I'll give you guys a second to think about it. What's just one tip, one piece of advice, one, one suggestion that you might share with sales professionals out there, you know, within this broader context of our conversation today? I'm sure you've got many, but uh, Jill, you're looking at me like you got one right on top of mine. So I'm going to come to you down. first. Slow, Slow down. down. Slow yeah. down. Slow down. Yeah. You talking to me right now or is that your tip? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would say this. That's the, exactly the answer. Slow down. Slow down. Honestly, yeah. we, we're rushing too much. Just slow it down so we can do what's right, so we can think. So just slow it down. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, yeah, okay. Lori, let's come to you. Prioritize. You know, don't rely on your manager to do your job for you. you. You need to know what it is that's going to help you reach your goals. Um, I, I've spoken before about how I had 23 managers in my sales career, and some were awesome and some were not awesome. <laughs> I was going to say awful, but <laughs> they, uh, you know, so I, I couldn't rely on the systems in the company to, to help me to get things done. And so if I can do that as a rep and prioritize, and of course, I, I want to see the leaders helping the reps more too. Great advice. Nick? I think the, the one, boy, the one piece of advice I would give, particularly sales teams directly, is, is really try to simplify their customer's job in this purchase process as much as they can. I think it's not, not only is it just for the sake of being a good steward um, to the customer, but it, it kind of goes back to, Brent, your point earlier around having some degree of empathy for what the customer is going through. And by doing so, I think you increase the opportunity 
uh, and the chance that the customer is going to pick up on the unique attributes that you have to bring to the table. If I can really help them slow down and process their problem, understand what they can do about that problem, understand the best course of action around that problem, the chances of them really hearing and understanding what makes my solution different uh, comes to life. And I think at the same time, you know, you, you get rid of all those oddball configurations, trying to stretch my capabilities to try to match some far-flung, you know, customer requests, which adds the complexity back in as a, as a salesperson and, and doesn't let me move on to the next opportunity. I, I continue to have to work through that same one time and time again. And so I think just, just sort of lifting up, I, I, I love Jill's advice from the, the point of view of, of slowing down and Lori's advice around prioritizing. And I would say it's just, you know, slow it all down, prioritize what you can do to help the customer best approach their situation. And in turn, that'll help you slow yourself down, slow down all the noise, all the, all the complexity, and it just, it makes the system work better. As a quick recap of the advice from the panel, Jill suggests to slow down and think about what the customer is thinking about. Lori advises salespeople to prioritize what's most important to their success and Nick advises sales teams to try to simplify the job of the customer in the purchase process as much as possible. So slow down, prioritize, and simplify. This was a really great panel discussion, and I hope you have learned a thing or two from this roundtable interview. Our thanks to Brent, Nick, Jill, and Lori for participating and sharing their insights, and to you, our listeners, for following along. This roundtable interview was recorded in Las Vegas, Nevada at the CEB Sales and Marketing Summit and edited at the Technology Advice Podcast Studio in Nashville, Tennessee. To listen to more episodes of B2B Nation, check us out on SoundCloud or iTunes. And to learn more about the show, you can find us on Twitter at technology underscore ADV or online at technologyadvice.com. Thanks for listening.